Hello, and welcome back to the Mastering Communication podcast, where every episode I sit down with another interesting guest from the field of communication to share their knowledge and expertise. I'm your host, Dominique van Aalte, and today I'm here with Erik Kosteluk. Erik is an associate professor in marketing and a research project leader at the Amsterdam University of Applied Sciences. Additionally, he works as a senior researcher at the Team 5PM YouTube agency and as a consultant in marketing and branding. He has a PhD in marketing psychology and is the creator behind the Value Compass. But most importantly, of course, he is one of the founders of the MEC. Thank you for joining me today, Erik. Um, and to start off, I'd like to give you a small challenge. Can you introduce yourself in one sentence? Well, first of all, thank you, Dominique, for inviting me here uh, in this podcast to say a couple of words. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Eric. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm a passionate branding specialist. We can say it like that and uh, work in that both in uh, the academic field and uh, the professional field and hope to be able to make that bridge uh, in the coming 20, 30 minutes for you. Thank you. Um, so you're here today, actually, because you gave a guest lecture at the MIC uh, about the Brand Value Compass today. Um, would you be able to give a short recap uh, about what that was about uh, and how you liked it today? Yeah, that was very nice. Uh, of course, I know, know the Master in International Communication uh, from the beginning for a couple of years. And it's always very nice to be back. And this morning, uh, I had a very, very nice, uh, very engaged crowd, actually, to which I gave my introduction on the, on the value compass with a couple of nice examples. And I could see people listening and writing. And it was a very engaging event. Yeah, yeah. certainly. You're actually the creator of the brand Value Compass, and how did that actually come come to be? Uh, where did that start? Well, that started when I thought that it is for brands, for organizations. It's very important to show who you actually are, because uh, well, as communication people know, you're not just selling a product. You you sell the uh, you sell the whole story around it, and th this story is very important and and has, of course, a connotation, a meaning. But this meaning has to be grounded in something, uh, not not just empty words. So so that that idea challenged me, and um, I I as being. Uh, marketing teacher already for some years of course you know about attitudes perceptions and and uh, brand personality these these kind of psychological elements so so i i considered it a challenge to to connect like that part of human psychology into branding to create some kind of brand brand psychology so so that was my, my uh, basic idea to start with uh, and out of that interest uh, i started looking into values and what they mean and where they actually come from and what you can do with them and and uh, yeah that, that 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 was my driver yeah and was it more of a passion project or was it part of your phd for example it's always nice to if you're able to combine things that you like with things that are useful also in a broader sense so uh i combined that into my phd project but also of course gives the opportunity that you have more time to spend on it uh, and more, more resources to to dive deeper uh, so it was my PhD project, and as uh, I mean, my, my final PhD product uh, was a book about the value compass, brand values, uh, psychological, personal values, individual values, and how they connect with each other. So it was a combination. Yes. Yeah, that's very very interesting. Um, but your interesting. expertise and background is uh, very much in marketing, then. Yeah, correct. I uh, I've been a market researcher already for. 25 years maybe for quite some time um, and and that, 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 that's the basic of my experience um, it, it is 
I mean, as a marketing person, it's always very important to have these insights and in what your customers drive and what their drivers are, why they want your product and actually what distinguishes your product from others and how people perceive that. Uh, so I worked in market research for a long time, both in Groningen and in other places, also international actually, in, in quite a lot of market research project projects and also from before that, uh, I mean, I studied strategic marketing. So my background really is marketing. But of course, the bridge marketing to communication is not that... It, 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 well, there's, there's a quite... It's an obvious bridge, actually. You can also see it in companies where often the, the Marcom uh, manager does marketing and communication. So often in theory building, you see quite a big difference between how communication people think and how marketing people think. But they're connected through topics like image, reputation, uh, yeah. stakeholder management. And would you see marketing as part of communication then? Or are they very separate things? <laughs> There's a synergy between them. I can't say that marketing is part of communication or that communication is part of marketing. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the traditional communication view is that marketing is part of communication. Traditional marketing view is that communication is part of marketing. Yeah. Uh, but I feel it's kind of a discussion without any point because that they're both separate disciplines with their own merit and their own focus, whereas marketing mainly engages in how to profile towards like your commercial stakeholder. So... Uh, the customer uh, communication is more towards communicating about what the organization has. So, so there are diff different different angles, different starting points, uh, and they connect in a lot of ways. Communication in terms of promotion is one of the four P's, whereas in marketing communication, you use marketing as part of your communication strategy. So they're very much intertwined in that sense. Yes, almost exactly. Like that was the word I was looking for. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah very nice. Um, so what to you is actually the importance of marketing. Why is it something that you um, decided to spend over 25 years of your life on? Well, it's also a job, of course. So you are also as person earn money with it. But it is <laughs> important that a company doesn't do things out of its own. And there's only one reason why an organization exists, and that is to the benefits of the people who uh, use the end product or the end service of that organization. Uh, and I feel it's very important that an organization can deliver that and knows what kind of end product should be delivered in the eyes of the, of the customer. So I think that, that that was my main drive, to take care that there is this link, that just organizations, companies or non-profit, whatever, uh, don't go out on their own compass, but connect with who they actually are doing it for. So very much the, the connection between the people and the company in yeah. that sense. Yeah. Uh, so where in that um, to you is then the, the, the link towards the MEC? Because you are one of the uh, people who helped to uh, found the MEC mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um, and how did that work for you uh, in the relation with marketing? Well, communication is also a multidisciplinary uh, science. Just like marketing, actually. And, and the MIG is therefore, by definition, a multidisciplinary program. Uh, so there were, were several angles of which marketing was one, which I represented in the beginning. So from that sense, it makes a lot of sense that somebody was there from the marketing perspective. Of course, especially in the beginning, it is fun to work with people with a communication background or other backgrounds because you only have your stereotypes and ideas and sometimes discussions about it. It's very challenging. Um, but in the end, it is multidisciplinary. Communication is multidisciplinary. Marketing, so you look for the connection, which in the case of marketing is, especially with respect to branding, reputations, uh, creation of image towards a persona, 
target audience well throughout their their journey which at that time wasn't really a topic because the customer journey is only from the last um, couple of years uh, but those those are the connecting points and actually they're also the points in which I'm most interested in marketing so uh, yeah I'm actually quite curious what your your work week looks like because you're actually working at several different places um, so what is it practically um, that you do as a consultant or a researcher or a professor well, that's something, that's something that many people ask me, how does your work week look like? Uh, don't forget, I live in Groningen and I work for uh, the Amsterdam University of Life Science, which is in Amsterdam, of course. Yeah. Um, so my, I, I, it's difficult to speak of an average work week because every week is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I teach uh, like two days a week in Amsterdam in a consumer behavior course, which also focuses on branding and uh, the topics actually that were also the topic of my guest lecture. Um, and uh, next to that, as you told, as you, you introduced me, uh, I work for uh, a number of agencies with mainly, uh, well, my function mainly market research projects. So for instance, for the YouTube uh, agency, 5PM, um, it, it is very important for any kind of uh, agency to, to work accountable and to know what the effectiveness is of your activities. So for instance, for a YouTube agency, uh, it is very important to realize how effective your activities, your, your videos basically are. So w- what is YouTube marketing? Maybe I can sh- give a short introduction yes. about yeah. that. Most people uh, see YouTube marketing most, mostly as annoying three-second uh, commercial that you can click away, uh, hopefully as quickly as possible. Uh, but the main focus actually is a different one. For instance, they work for the Dutch hardware store uh, Gamma and they have campaigns like how to build a fence. And that, that, that is their commercial activities and especially these kind of how-to commercials. Also, they work for, for Allerhande, the cooking uh, club of Albert Heijn, uh, like how to cook a lasagna, for instance. Yeah. Um, so they develop these kind of uh, commercials, which are basically commercials, movie. It's a bit blurred how you should say this. But even then, of course, a company only invests in those movies if they contribute to their uh, communication objectives or marketing, or Marcom in this case, Marcom objectives. Um, so what we do is measure them based on, based on a marketing funnel. So we measure the brand awareness. Um, we use the Net Promoter Score to check uh, to what extent uh, people want to share this commercial or are positive about it. Uh, engagement. Uh, we, we developed a couple of metrics. Um, and what we do basically is uh, you have the group of people that, that saw a commercial, a couple of commercials, versus people who did not see commercials. And based on Google Analytics and Google stuff, you know which people they are, so you can collect them in your sample. And then uh, you compare in both groups what actually the brand awareness or the brand engagement is. Uh, so, so a lot of investment actually in these brand effectiveness uh, measurements. Yeah. Which is a core thing. And basically what I do there is, is uh, every time that the campaign is finished, you evaluate the campaign and organize the research about it and transform that in, uh, 
well, in a report in the end to the Yeah, so it's very client. much about making sense of the metrics and the analytics that come out yes. of one of these campaigns. Yeah. Yes, and of course with variation, because this is at the end, you can also do concept testing in the beginning, like A-B testing, like, like I mean, what's the perfect background color? Should it be green or red? Those kind of questions, yeah. uh, which are also very relevant for that. So in, in those cases, it actually gets a little bit creative as well to see, like, how, how do you test these kinds of things? And then... Which creative decisions have what effect? Yeah, well, that, that's what I like because, indeed, of course, making a movie is creativity, mm-hmm. but it's guided creativity in a sense that you can, there are quite a lot of checkpoints on which you can check. And often this is done with uh, using Google metrics because there's so much information, you can check many things. But especially if you also want to dive a bit more in the background, so why? I mean, Google metrics don't answer the question why. So that, that you need different uh, methods for. Uh, but it's a combination of creativity with analytics that is very interesting. Like last week, we had a project where we used uh, the method of conjoint analysis, which is a specific method, which is for me a drive because then I have to find out how it works and, and uh, how to apply it in that specific context. So it's it's sometimes quite advanced statistics, analytics in combination with creativity. And it's, it's a very interesting combination. Yeah, for sure. And then you also have the link, of course, to, to like the human psychology and, and how things are yeah. perceived. It, it sounds very dynamic yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. That's also why this guest lecture this morning, I also wanted to take one topic out of this, like with brand values, which is also, again, same thing. It's psychology, and you can use it creatively to design campaigns. But there is a psychological element as well, and everything can be measured and should yeah. be measured. Maybe not everything, but many things should be measured. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. not to inhibit your creativity but to stimulate it yeah and to maybe guide it in a sense yes, as well yes. yeah yeah so i'm actually curious about uh, maybe a story that you'd have about one of these things that that is very memorable to you uh could you be a little bit more specific well, let's say um um for example a moment that you worked on a certain project or campaign um, that really struck you as interesting or fascinating uh, in for example the data that you found or the people that you worked with or something like that yeah, many of them. There were many, uh, many projects. One, one uh, thing that we did uh, was for another agency, actually, uh, and also related to values. Had to do with, uh, with with influencers and how to use them because that's also something related. We were looking, okay, what what type of influencer should be used for which type of brand. And uh, there we, in the end, looked at values and we thought, okay, you know, brands profile their values. Mm -hmm. Uh, The brand knows what their values are. Uh, They have a target audience somewhere, uh, but instead of surveying like randomly people, um, we know that the brand has to use influencers because basically this was about influencer marketing, Uh, you need to know which influencers are best for profiling your brand. So instead of asking the target audience what their main values are, we started looking at the influencer and asked them, okay, which are your core values? Assuming that the followers of an influencer share these values, otherwise they would follow somebody else, you know? Um, Which made like the research a lot simpler because we just take the brand and as a brand manager and then take the influencer as the influencer mm-hmm. and then see where the match is when then like and they had a lot of influencers in their portfolio see if you ask a lot of influence and then who's 
values match best with what a brand would like to profile uh, in terms of the new image. And from that perspective, making yeah. a match. That's so that, super interesting. That's also interesting, yeah. yeah. And a lot of international things as well I did. So it's, it's, there are a lot of interesting things. Yeah. A lot of interesting things. Yeah, but that was actually <laughs> the next link I would like to make because the Master International Communication, mm -hmm. of course, very prominently has the word international in it. Um, so I'm actually kind of curious about your, your international experience because currently you're very much working in the Netherlands, but I can imagine mm -hmm. with the YouTube agency, for example, that that also has some international ties. I think every... Uh, online working agency or brand has by definition international ties and the specific example of this agency of course that their customers all are all over the world uh, and of course there are challenges when you move to other places because you have like this cultural element in a lot of ways even in how to how people answer a survey for instance oh really oh yeah sure because like uh just take the net promoter score maybe you know it um, not entirely familiar now, okay then people can rate on a scale from one to ten how probable how likely it is that they would recommend yeah. the brand to yeah. something else yeah. on a scale from one to ten Mm -hmm. The instrument was developed in America. In America, people give a 10 like nothing. I mean, that's everything is a 10. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Europe, people never give a 10. It's always a 7, then you're already top of the bill. So um, the mentality, all these things are different. Not even the interpretation behind it, because as you know, every culture has their own, uh, their own specific elements. Yeah, the way they, they even interpret a brand or even certain words or phrasings, for example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how do you see that uh, reflected in, in the work you've done so far, for example? Maybe not even in the work you're currently doing, but something you've done before? Well, it's something, culture is always something that you have to keep in mind when you when you do something. I mean, we were all people, uh, but people were from different points of departure with, with different mindsets, with different frames uh, and that's something that um, whenever I go to another place my, my first instinct is always okay I have to behave natural who I am because th that's who I am and that works natural but since it is not my territory my first step is not to act but my first step is to listen and see how and then follow that tradition the, the local tradition and then try to try to blend in and that uh, we did on a number of occasions. I remember in the past we went with uh, even the international communication students a couple of times to, to China as a group. Um, and there you see these challenges. Or uh, Also in class, of course, well, you all know the stereotypes of like German people who are very hardworking, Dutch people who are more laid back and lazy. And this can be very conflicting sometimes, especially if it's in... A company setting where you work towards goals and like one person is already there at nine because the meeting is at nine and the other comes in at nine thirty because yeah you know time is just a concept so uh, yeah very important yeah exactly and how do you um, see brands navigating that because I can imagine that you might have some insights on that as well it's tricky so it's sometimes things seem very easy. Um, but even the most simple things often are ignored. And you can see that especially with, with American brands, because American culture is very much a culture of looking only at your own country, uh, stimulated, of course, by the people, because most Americans don't have a passport, so they always stay in their own country. Uh, I can give you an example of a mineral water product, the Sani, which is a big brand in uh, the US. Uh, bottled water, it's from Coke or Pepsi Cola, one of the two. And they wanted to do, introduce themselves in, as brand in, in Europe. 
Um, but there's a huge difference between water in Europe and water in the US. Mineral water in Europe, well, you know, it, it mm. comes from a source, it's natural, um, has all kinds of calcium or whatever. Uh, yeah, usually an, an advertisement with mountains and goats. And that. Exactly, that, that, that kind of thing. That's our vision of mineral water. Yeah. The vision in America of bottled water is water that is chemically purified, pure, no bacteria, no natural nothing, because it's dangerous. Um, so it's purified water, purified tap water, basically. Yeah. And with that campaign, they wanted to introduce the brand in Europe, UK first. We have tap water, but it's chemically purified tap water. Yeah. Safe to drink, buy it. Well, it was complete failure, of course, because it's not our concept. We don't buy chemically purified tap water because in most countries you can just drink your tap water. And if you don't yeah. like it, you take the real thing. So the, these kind of bridges, people often forget about it because even, and that, that's the most surprising thing. I mean, it, it's, everybody can overlook things. Mm. Uh, that's not bad. But if you imagine that this is a company that has a million dollar budget working with people that have high salaries. Yeah, you'd expect that. You would expect are... that somewhere in the team, somebody raises a finger and says, this is not right. Yeah. But apparently it doesn't. So this is also where and sometimes it's very simple. As a student, you often wonder, okay, how can I make a contribution to this world? And you start thinking big clouds, complicated things. But sometimes it's this basic. Yeah. It's sometimes easy to make a contribution. As long as you keep on thinking out of the box, always reflect with, okay, this is what's being said, but what do I think of it? Yeah. And then, correct. I mean, you can also be wrong, but then put that against each other. What do I think? What is being said? Okay, what is the right way? And if you think that what is being said is not the right way, speak up your voice. Yeah, because it might just save a million dollar campaign from having the, yeah. the wrong tone of voice somewhere, for example. Yeah. Might save a million dollar campaign or in other cases, just your own self value that you don't go against something that is not to your own principles. Almost circling back to the values, like exactly. also yeah. stay true to yeah. what you personally value. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very exactly. nice. Very nice full circle. Yeah. Um, and actually we're uh, almost at the end of the Alrighty. time. So I have one more question for you that I ask uh, mm -hmm. every single guest. Uh, what is your favorite country to travel to? Yeah, you're asking for one, and that, that's very difficult <laughs> because there are so many. Top three? Um, yeah, top three. I've been in China a couple of times, and that was, from a cultural point, very interesting because there are so many differences. So it was a very interesting experience. I uh, lived in the U.S. for a year in Arizona, and I really loved it. I really loved the way of life there. Fantastic. Um, and uh, once... Uh, I think that that's an interesting story to, to end with. It's always the people that it's and, and nature of course also, but the people point of view is interesting. Once with friends, we uh, it was ten years ago or something. We had this crazy idea around Christmas that uh, after a couple of drinks, uh, one of my friends had family in, in the Gambia in Africa, and halfway the evening we came to the conclusion hmm, we can drive there. We bought an old Mercedes, and one week later, we were driving across the Sahara. Wow. Seeing all those countries, and amazing. Yeah, that's fascinating. So, uh, always look for adventure. That's a very, very nice note to end on. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me today. You're welcome. You're uh, welcome. 
Thank you for listening. The podcast Mastering Communication is brought to you by the Master's Program in International Communication of the Hanse University of Applied Sciences in Groningen. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you in the next one.